It's Jim Reed from Jim Reed Vehicle Sales, based in Couture in Aberdeenshire. Thanks for joining me on my very first podcast. And I've used a recent radio interview, which was carried out by Test Day of Shmoo FM, which is a local Aberdeen community-based radio station. And she does a business section, a business spotlight section on a Friday afternoon. And a few Fridays back, I was invited along, as I say, to a radio interview for me to give an insight into my family business, cars, the motor industry, and so much more. So hopefully you'll enjoy this very first podcast, and hopefully it's one of many, as I will hopefully be back with one or two more insights, more in-depth insights, into what my thoughts on the motor trade are, and also about family business. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much for tuning in, and hopefully you'll enjoy. Thank you. Right, so we have a lot to cover today, um, and we have only obviously spoken a few times. So one of the things that have really rung true for me when I've kind of looked at the stuff that you've done and uh, the work you do and everything is that there's a very strong family um, aspect to your whole cultural outlook with your business. You know, we were speaking earlier that for you, family is important, but you have multiple families. You have the immediate family, your wife, your family, your kids, you've got your work family, and then you see your customers as family too. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, your family connection to work, and um, it's it's a car dealership, you know, who would yeah. think? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's a true, it is a, is a true family business. Hey, we've got hey, myself, obviously in the business, Gil's the fellow director as well. Uh, my son-in-law, Phil, who's married to my daughter, Laura. Uh, Phil is a sales manager and has been with us for 11 years now almost. Uh, Laura, although a qualified midwife, uh, she's back part-time after uh, maternity leave and uh, she could, you know, she continues to help with the administration and things like that as well. And Liam, my son, is never far away from the place uh, either. But you're absolutely right, we, we do see the family side of things, it's very, very important for us to get that same family feel eh, around, obviously, the, the, the business side of things as well. And we see, obviously, our employees, or, or our team, we call them a team, Team Read, and they're very much, you know, part of the family side of things. So we do, you know, maybe not enough, but we do go out to, you know, Christmas meals and, and so yeah. on, we celebrate birthdays. Uh, in fact, it's happy birthday to Holly today. She's actually my daughter. She's, oh, she's wow. uh, not twenty-one today, but she's <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's still celebrating. Absolutely, but you know, you know, cake, card. You know, we do anniversaries and things like that because it's very important to, to celebrate these. I think as a family and a wider family set of things. But regards to customers, you know, customers have grown with us. You know, there's a lot of customers that have, have come to us for absolutely for years since we started, and even before we started, when when I was with a previous company. They've come on board and supported us. And I think that's really, really important that they become, you know, that, that feel. So they, they never feel that far away from opening the door and coming in for just a coffee and, uh, and a biscuit, you know, and just have a chat. Yeah. It's, it's great. I imagine that that is um, the reason people come back because they feel like they belong. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, it's important when you go into it. I still feel intimidated. You know, I've been in the industry for 30, 34 years and I still feel intimidated going into some of these bigger dealerships. And I would hate to think that anybody feels intimidating coming into into our garage. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of 
customers always say that they, f they don't feel like it's a garage at all, they don't feel it's a dealership at all, they're coming in to, to speak to friends. And, that, yes. and that's what it should be like. Yeah. You know, that's what business should be like. Yeah, and, and when, we're, when we're purchasing, when we're shopping for something, you know, we want to enjoy the whole experience. And we want to feel like there is a level of trust with the people we're, work we're buying from. Indeed. And that is a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and likewise, you know, the experience, and as we're tagline, the experience is everything. And mm. it's very important about experience. You know, experience, customer experience is the most important aspect of business. I'll t tell you a little story, you know, happened just at the weekend. That we, we actually, we spent the weekend because it was our anniversary, Gil and I, down in Edinburgh. We actually picked a, I wouldn't have named the, the hotel, but we picked a fancy hotel to stay right. in. And it's a lovely hotel. Uh, however, the downside of that hotel was the staff didn't, you know, communicate with you. They didn't yeah. uh, acknowledge you when you come in. And it was maybe because we were dressed, because we were opposite against the uh, Storm Dennis at the weekend, and you know, dressed with yeah. hats. And, uh, but you know, all it needed was you know a smile or or a you know how how are you doing or you know the new we were there for a for a for a, a very special, special occasion. occasion. Yeah. And and they could have actually made it so much better, you know, and it's a shame that a lot of businesses don't recognise that and they miss massive opportunities to become friends, you know. And I think that that is also indicative of, in business, it's that that manager's role and, and the culture of the business, you know. Not all managers are the example that doesn't follow through, but sometimes it is about when it gets too big, People are worried about time schedules and who's what staff's on at what point, rather than looking after the customer. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, th I think we're, we're business. The way I've always treated business, and again, this comes through the family side of things as well, is not to chase the money. You know, you don't yeah. chase the money. No. What you do is you, you deliver the experience for the customer, and the money will come, and and that has proven well for us uh, going through business, and again, that helps with the family aspect of it and getting that yeah. through, you know, so yeah. family's got its always its own challenges when you're all working together and you're living together as well, that can yeah. be challenging. I can and, imagine. Uh, <laughs> all you've got to do is ask Phil, uh, <laughs> and we've had one or two moments, we'll mm. say, uh, over the years, but the main, we do try and keep work for work and, you know, home life for home life, but it does obviously integrate, so. Yeah, and I think it takes a lot of um, maturity to be able to work in family. You have to have your boundaries like you've just explained, because, you know, emotions do run high and familiarity can breed contempt is the famous word. When you know somebody too well, it's so easy to just slide into the familiar, I know so much. Yeah, absolutely. You know. And again, likewise, with regards to, you know, there can only be one boss Yeah. in reality. So when you've got a man and, you know, a, you know, a husband and wife team, when, yes. we, when we start for a start, yeah. you know, who is the boss? You know, at the end of the day, who is the boss? And when it comes to that, and Gail will say she's the boss, and <laughs> I, I, I completely agree, what we decided to do was, you know, I'll be the boss at work, she would be the boss at home. And that worked very, very well. And we've kind of kept that continuing on, you know, so we're breadwinner and obviously homemaker. So it yeah. works very, very well. Yeah, and I think it's good advice for anybody out there who's listening in, you know. And um, yeah, so family is, is part of the culture that you've designed for your business. And that helps because, I mean, you were saying as well, money shouldn't be your main driver. You know, when, when you read books like Napoleon's Hill, Think and Grow Rich, you know, he says money is the bottom of the list. You've got to tick a lot of other boxes before you get to the reward. Absolutely. You know, and the money actually just naturally happens 
when you're doing all the other things in the right way. Absolutely. And, and a lot more businesses should be looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think the failure of some businesses out there, and certainly some of the bigger businesses, Tess, is the fact that they do concentrate far too much on the money side of things. They don't recognise or acknowledge the team that they've actually got around about yeah. them, and they don't reward them uh, either. And you've got, you know, they've got to want to feel to be there and work and enjoy work. That's what they've got to actually do, yeah. you know, because it's such a big, big part of all our lives is the work aspect. Yeah. You know, you spend more time at work than you do at home. Absolutely. You know, a, a lot of the time. And yeah. you've got to really, really enjoy it. And what we try and do is have that, uh, build that kind of platform or build that uh, place where people feel as if they're, if, they're, if they're wanted and needed, you know, for that job. Yeah. So. And noticed and appreciated. And appreciate it as well, yeah, absolutely. And I think also, you know, pulled up when they're relaxing a bit because that's also what family do for each other. Indeed, indeed. You so, know? I mean, you know, we do we do try and uh, recognise, you know, events and we, we do try and recognise, you know, if we hit targets and things like that as well, we can go out for a beer and, a, and, and, and something to eat and things like that as well. Again, it's important, obviously, to recognise these things, so... Yeah, yeah, very good. But now we're going to talk a little bit about um, sort of the changes in the, the motor industry. I know a couple of years back you got together with a group of people and were was integral in the beginning of the IMDA. So could you tell us a little bit about that? What does the IMDA stand for? How did it come about? And how how is it impacting and helping educate us or make the changes or tell us all about it? Yeah, of course, yeah. So the IMDA stands for the Independent Motor Dealer Association. So it's a it's a national organisation that we've actually started up. It's a non-for-profit organisation. And there was a number of us, there was six of us right at the very start who started this up. Mm-hmm. And it came from, the grounding of it was actually from a forum, an online forum that was actually a fantastic forum for, it was closed, it was a closed group of independent dealers speaking to each other. A bit like Twitter, but it was closed and it was in blog form so it was fantastic so you got a lot of stories and a lot of help from each other and we decided that we'd actually take it that step further and make it an association so that was very very good and I was chairman for the first year which was fantastic as well a lot of work involved with that set up and there's now about almost 500 independent dealers who pay nothing towards it uh, yet we will actually supply along with that there's free legal help there's there's free, it, you know, there's some training and things like that as well along with it. And I think it's to help, obviously, independent dealers. Because there's so many changes within the, our industry, the, you know, I think there'll be more changes in the next five years than there's been in the previous 25. Yeah. Because, obviously, the electric side of things and hydrogen cars and so on. And it's to help these dealers as well deal with that because franchise dealers get it from a different perspective. They get the manufacturer assisting them, whereas independents have nobody. You know, so no. independents like ourselves, Jimmy Vehicle Sales, and you know others, they don't have that same infrastructure no, 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 notification of mm. you know, you know, data and, and and so on and so forth. So we brought this all together, and we've got data, data people involved to, to deliver these uh, these yeah. changes. Yeah, that's amazing because I guess at the end of the day, ninety nine percent of us all need a vehicle to get from A to B. Indeed. And, um, you know, up here in Scotland, especially, there's a lot of people who live out with cities, so they need to travel. And so we cannot have changes that are going to happen that are going to impact car dealerships, and then they cannot continue. Yeah. So you're just helping to keep the engines turning over and supporting them so they know 
what to do at the right time. Absolutely. I mean, the, the setup of car dealerships within the, the UK, the, the, there's franchise dealerships that are, you know, by manufacturer. Yeah. And there's independence side of things. And independence, there can be big, huge supermarket type vehicle places. And then there's the smaller ones like ourselves, you know, ourselves, I mean, a, and and other local local dealers as well. Mm. Now, you still need local dealers because you still need a choice. And the unfortunate thing nowadays with regards to the, the whole UK industry is it's shrinking and the, the bigger guys are tend to get bigger. So there's very little choice. So the thing is, you know, you've only got a handful of different style of dealerships or owners in the Aberdeen area. And it gives you a better choice when there's independence scattered around as well. So it's to keep that independence alive, you know, to keep them going. And because they're an important, you know, integral part yeah. of the industry. And I guess it's it's the smaller dealers, um, like we were talking before the last song, you know, the whole family, community-based um, businesses that are really getting the information from the people on the ground, you know, the real stories and, and what they're experiencing. Yeah. And it's feeding that back, which can affect different types of change, yeah. one would I mean, hope. The, the, the support, you know, the support that you actually get within the, the association is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And the great thing about it is, it is like, a, it's a big family, it's a big family of independent dealers. And you would think like garages wouldn't speak to one another because they're in, in competition. competition. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. However, it's amazing what you can pick up from other other dealerships. You know, Phil and myself, we do have done in the, in, in the past some social media because of very successful in the social media aspect of, you know, putting our, putting our account out and our brand out yes. there. And we're quite happy for other dealers to come along to that because, you know, we're quite happy f- to, to share the information that we've actually got. And you think, well, that's crazy to do that because it can actually enhance your competition. But the reality is the information is there anyway. Yes. We're just delivering it to them. Yes. You know, so. And um, they always say that, you know, um, many hands can make light work. And if everybody's helping everybody, it's not just one one dealership helping another dealership it's it becomes a reciprocal process you know you have cars on your forecourt they have cars on theirs you have a client you want to make your client happy sometimes that means Absol- you have to put them to another forecourt absolutely or we can actually buy that car if ah. you've got a, you know if you've got a relationship with that other the other, other garage you can actually buy that car from that other garage to then fulfill obviously the needs of that customer that you've actually got so it wins both ways yeah you know? But that's again relationships. It's relation. It's all about relationships, and it's all to get that tight knit, you know, association with the, with the other de- independent dealers. Stronger together is a stronger together is, is something we use quite often. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's really good. So, what is your role now? You said you've you you helped set it up. You were chairman for the first year. What is your role now? Are you just uh, you know part of the the five hundred community. Yeah, so, so I mean, I'm, I'm still part of the founder members, so we do have uh, regular meetings on Skype. Right. Uh, my, my good friend, Yumesh uh, Samini down in Stoke, he's actually the chairman, he's doing the chair- chairmanship, and he's mm-hmm. now in his second year, which he's fantastic at. And it's still growing, you know, the association's still growing, and we're still always involved with it to a certain extent. Less so than the first first year, where we're actually trying to build up, you know, a list of suppliers and a list of, uh, a list of dealers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly less so from my perspective, yeah. but it's still, you know, still going strong. Great. So tell me something that is for supporting the the motor dealer side of things. Um, how does that information filter down, and how does it support you being able to sell your cars? I mean, 
and buy cars as well, I would imagine. You know, does that change how you choose which cars to put on your forecourt? With the changes coming up, do you do you have to think differently about the cars you're selling to people? Yes, I mean, you know, one of the big changes, and we've just touched on it with the, with the electrification of, of cars, you know, that's a big change. I mean, the, the, the announcement earlier this month where the government stated they'll take it forward five years. So the ban on petrol and diesel vehicles, instead of being 2040, it's now 2035. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and now what they've done as well is they've banned the uh, hybrids as well. So these, they've got the batteries, but they've got that dual dual purpose with the, with the petrol or diesel cars, uh, engines as well. They've actually now banned those for sale from 2035. And again, a week later, they then announced that the wish list is 2032. So this is great for the environment. You know, it's great for the planet. And we've all got to be responsible because we're all responsible for the, the, the carbon footprint that we've actually got. So I think it's really important. But the education needs to be there. We need to education, educate the wider public to understand, you know, what the infrastructure is. Infrastructure has got to change as well. It's got to be much wider than what it currently is. We would all love to go and sell electric cars, but we need the market for electric cars and we need the infrastructure for electric cars as well. And that's education. It's educate. you know, a lot is to do with education and support. There's got to be incentives. And I do feel that both, you know, the, the Westminster government and the Scottish government have got to come to the party with regards to supporting this. And not just the franchise dealers, you know, supporting obviously the independent dealers, which I've spoken about, because again, they're an integral part of, you know, putting the cars onto the road. You know? know, and it needs to be a, a gradual thing, and it will be a gradual thing over those you know twelve years, and I can see that term shortening. But likewise, we need now to think as an industry that we have got to make changes. You've got to give that advice, the proper advice to our customers. There's no point in saying to the little old lady who you know stays in the middle of Aberdeen, does two thousand miles. You cannot sell that person a, a diesel car, and we've told people for years that we can't sell that person a diesel car because of the filters and so on and involved with that car. But likewise, at the moment, there's not an alternative. If you're doing forty thousand miles a year, there's mm. not an alternative to diesel to get the miles per gallon. So it has it has got to change. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces still to get to, to get together. To make yeah. the whole picture up here. And I mean, I, I always profess to be somebody who is um, open to change. I'm, I love change. But you know what? As, as I think about the bigger things like a car and, you know, I've always driven either a petrol or a diesel car. Suddenly I'm saying, my goodness, I know nothing about electric cars. I don't even I mean, I imagine they drive the same. But there's that there's that big wall between what we're familiar with and that unknown. And, you know, at what point, I mean, are we going to eventually start seeing all these petrol and diesel cars all sort of stacked up on top of each other being hauled off to the to the scrapyards to get crushed? I mean, you know, do yeah. we know what's, what I mean, it's going to look like? The, the reality will most likely be, so the, 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 what, what we've got to remember is the ban is actually on new cars. So the sale of used cars after that point is still going to be there. Okay. And what you tend to find is the... The average lifespan of a petrol or diesel car currently is about 14 years. So from data registration, it's about 14 years before it actually comes off the road and is, okay. is then scrapped. So there's a long period of time still with petrol okay. and diesel to put up with. But to make the big impact on the climate, you know, changes have got to be made now. Uh, the support is needed now. Okay. Guidance, is, I feel, is needed now to obviously you know, give us the support so we can support the wider public because... 
it's people like ourselves and dealers like ourselves that the public are actually coming to for advice. Yeah. You know, because they're coming to the experts for advice. If we're not actually got that advice, how can we help? And I guess that starts now by thinking about what car, if I'm buying a car today or next week, what is my thinking supposed to be like around that to be as conscientious in my choice as possible? Absolutely. So that by the time I get to electric car, if I'm buying new cars, yeah. then I'm I'm ready for that step. That's right. I mean, you know, and I say, I suppose, statement stone would be a hybrid, you know, because you've got part electric, part, mm. part petrol or diesel. And that's a nice, because it, it drives similar to an electric. I mean, you mentioned, you know, does it drive differently electric? Yes. It does drive differently. You okay. know, it does drive differently. You, you will use your brakes less because it tends to be on regenerated power through the, the, the braking on the motors. So that will regenerate the battery as it goes along as well. So it's charging itself. Okay. Uh, while it's while not being, while you're not accelerating. While you're not accelerating, yeah. Okay. And there's, you know, that, there's that kind of sweet spot for for delivering power. So you get to try and get it within, obviously, not, you know, just that gliding period. So it's obviously, you know, not charging and not depleting the battery as well. Okay. So when you're driving an electric car, you tend to think differently. It's not about you know getting fast away from the, the lights. Oh dear! However, you will be you will, you know you will be with an <laughs> oh, electric car because really? it's so so quick. Oh wow! But it's more about obviously trying to save the power within the battery to get that conserving part. energy. Conserve- Absolutely. Okay. And, and like what you know, you change you know you know Tesla for instance you know Tesla's a fantastic one. I just saw a, a Tesla three uh, this week. A customer came in and we we, we, we looked around his car, and it's it's, it's just a steering wheel and an iPad. That's what it is. You know, your dash has got wow. a steering wheel and an iPad. The iPad's got lots of information, but it does tell you if you've not got enough battery and you're planning to go to, you know, whatever destination you've already got that in your sat-nav, it will tell you exactly where to go off and charge the vehicle. You know? Okay, so, so we do have a lot of help at hand There is help technology. at hand, yeah, but it's understanding where it is. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really very interesting. I think we need to keep speaking about this, but at the same time, we've got a lot of other things to talk about. Let's ask you, Jim. Are you excited about the idea of electric cars being the cars of the future? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got, you know, you've got to embrace it. You've got to embrace that, you know, electrification is going to be the future, and hydrogen will be the future after that as well. So you've got to think of it as being. If you're not excited about it, you're only then dwelling in the past and what, you know, what what's now and in the past. And you've got to look forward. So yes, you know, as a company, we are excited. We need to find out more about it so we can give the right advice to our customers, I feel. And there's so much changes happening as well. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, we, you know, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have iPhones. I know. We, didn't, we, we never had smartphones and we can now videos and podcasts and everything on, 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 a, on a phone. And the car industry will, 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 will move that quickly. You know, it will move massively. But as I say, the infrastructure's got to be there for charging. The understanding has got to be there. The change in mindset from a driver's perspective or an owner's perspective has got to be there as well. And I feel that the incentives got to be there. You get two distinct type of people who are in electric cars just now. So right. you get the person who tends to be, you know, retired perhaps, you know, older person who's watching the news and watching obviously all these events obviously happening and changing wants to try obviously the electric car, cash rich so they can actually go and do that, so they can actually buy that car. But you know, the cars just now, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds and upwards for, for, for some of these cars. It needs to be affordable for the man in the street. And that affordable man in the street 
tends to be that payment of you know a PCP type deal yeah. or a payment plan or a contract hire plan, and you've got to have that on a monthly basis as well. To support that, you've got to have the the end figure right. So you've got to have a used car market at the end of the three years where they know it's a retained value for the vehicle to make that monthly payment affordable for the person. And that's that's got to be the big one where you've got to have, or the manufacturers have got to have volume of vehicles out there to be available, but it's got to be affordable. Once it's affordable and there's less bureaucracy involved with you know signing forms for gaining grants and it becomes the norm yeah. to do it, you know, it's, it's almost like a switch. It will become, you know, that'll be the tipping point. That'll be the tipping point going forward, and that can happen within the next, you know, certainly the next five years, I think. And I guess it'll we'll get to that point, like you said, with the phones, where we won't even remember how it was before. Absolutely, it'll just become the new norm. It will. Yeah. It will. I mean, it's very easy to sit in your laurels and say, you know, you know, petrol and diesel here forever. It's not going to be here forever. Mm. And the reality is. You know, the government have already stated that it's not going to be here forever. No. So we've got to make those changes. And if you're ahead of the curve, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're right at the fr- forefront of it and you become an expert in that, that's going to help you know, businesses go forward. Yeah. And then I would imagine as somebody who is kind of in that arena of being front front end of this this change, you want people to come and ask you as many questions as they have so that you can help them sort out what it is that's in their way from transition to being able to transition to this new change because then you're helping the market move forward indeed it means you know it's qualified it's it's nothing any different from what we're actually doing just now you know no. you, you you speak to a customer or you speak to to, to, to to someone and you qualify and you ask qualifying questions and that qualifying questions the answers to those questions depends on where you place them and the, what car you know you know is it three door yeah. five door you know is a family involved it's you know it's, it's needs and wants yeah uh, the features and benefits yeah. and it's exactly the same but it's different questions you're asking and it tends to be a lot more around you know what type of driving you're actually doing uh, where that where that you know driving is with country driving country, city you know? dri- yeah absolutely I, I do feel Aberdeen and Aberdeen well Aberdeen Shire, I should say, because it's so widespread, will be one of the last parts of the country to, to do away with the diesel side of things because it's a farming community and trying to get your know, farming community to change is going to be difficult. Uh, and also, the infrastructure and how far away you know villages and towns are from each other. Yeah, you know that may well be an issue. Mm. I, I think Aberdeen City, and especially with the you know the city council being so much you know think forward thinking. I think they will actually nail that straight, you know, for a first start. And I do think that, you know, using those, you know, a, you know, the the buses, the hydrogen buses, so we can get the car parks and get those, you know, get the park and the, ride. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You get the park and rides up and running, so the country people come in, they leave their you know, polluting cars at the, at, you know, the airport yeah. or wherever it is, mm-hmm. and then they take a, a more efficient route into into the centre of Aberdeen. I think that's what's got got to got to happen. One of the f- in the initial phases. I think so. As we as we go through the ch- this change. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but there's going to be massive change and it's yeah. very hard to know exactly which way it's going to go. No. And that's why it's quite exciting because, I mean, you, you know, you're kind of second-guessing it just now and it's nice to see that some of my second-guesses is now coming through in the, in, in okay. the newspapers and things like yes. that, you know, so... And I guess there'll be a tipping point at some point where there'll be more resistance and then suddenly 
this landslide of acceptance. Absolutely. And and that's when, you know, it'll be okay. But, you know, Absolutely. you're always going to have those that want to stick with the familiar old way and those that are keen to get involved with this new age stuff. And then there's the environmental people who will all be wanting to be part of the electric revolution. Yes, indeed. Yeah? Absolutely. I think, you know, I think the tipping point will come when it becomes, yeah, definitely affordable. Uh, and secondly, I suppose acceptable. You know, it's acceptable in the, in the, in the, in the, in because just now there's a push against it. You know, yeah. pushing against it as, a, most of, as an industry and as a, as, a, as a general public as well. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, no, it's, I think and it's a conversation one could have until, well, the cows come Absolutely. home, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's another side to, to what you do as a family-centered business, and that is that you go out and speak at schools to young people. And I've, you know, when we were speaking earlier, I see how you light up yeah. when you tell me the stories that you've, you just told me three stories and, you know, it's, it's amazing. Do you, do you bring a bit of the electric, we're going to go to some of those stories, but do you bring a bit of the electric car education in there? Or do you think that that generation is already totally going to, well, not even blink? There'll be no resistance for them, will there? There'll be no resistance at all. I mean, the technology side of things as well, what, what, what they're used to. You know, these are you know, children, if you even look at a 16-year-old now, they've never been without knowing about a mobile phone, for instance. Yeah. And it will be them that's going to be the forerunners in the electric cars and the hybrids and so on. And, you know, when you go to primary schools, it's got to be electric cars. You know, it will change massively, and it's very difficult to know how it's going to change. You know, is it going to be ownership? Is it going to be... You know, just usership of vehicles. You know, it's, we've got to stop the pollution of our planet. That's without an absolute yeah. doubt. Uh, we can all see. I mean, looking at the window here, it's a beautiful sunny day, and it's still February, and it's warm outside. You know, yeah. we've got to change something because something's changing in the environment. I mean, yeah. this is northeast of Scotland. After all, it's normally snowing, and yeah. and. I think to get these youngsters involved at this early stage because that will be their norm going forward. You know, if they get to own a car, that's what they're going to own is get an electric car going forward, you know. That's actually when you said uh, whether we're going to own them or share them was an interesting statement because if I think about you go to some countries on holiday and they've got these scooters, electric charged scooters already in a city centre where, you know, you, you use your phone, you buy, you you, you rent your scooter and you scoot over to a certain part, park it, yeah. and then somebody else picks it up and takes it somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, you know, going back to the, you know, the smartphone, you know, yeah. we all think we own our smartphone. You don't. You're normally in a plan. It's very, very seldom you've actually ever buy an iPhone eh, or, 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 or uh, Samsung or whatever it is. You normally rent them. And that's all you're doing. So will we just rent vehicles going forward? You know, I think that mm -hmm. may well actually be the norm because the youngsters of today who are in that, you know, it's affordability per month. Yeah. There's so many, di you know, there's so many different connotations of how it could actually work. You know, wouldn't it be great that, you know, for instance, you sign up and you pay a monthly fee and, you know, part and parcel of the time you're driving about in a little Nissan Leaf because it's town, town traffic you're actually, you know, do, doing with on a daily day basis, but you've got a special event and it's down in Glasgow, but you can just make that phone call and you've got a Tesla to your door to do that longer run. Yeah. You know, and it's maybe a special event or something like that, so you get an electric, yeah. whatever it is, to get that special event, and you feel better about that. You know, that's the type of thing that could possibly come. So ownership may well become a second thing, yeah. uh, and investing in a car will, will become different. And that's a mindset change all on its own. Massively, and that's mm. going to affect our business massively as well. Yeah. So we have got to change 
with these ideas. Yeah. You know, so. And learn about that as you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Well, it just feels like we're fast forwarding to the end of the show. And I imagine we're like in a high speed, speed vehicle right now because time is ticking and there's still stories to tell. So Jim, just fire away. You've got so many amazing stories of the experiences you've had with young people in schools. But you know, I know you've got a few favorites, so just fire away. Yeah, I think, I think two of the favorites, what, both very recently. Uh, one was just the, this, the, certainly the beginning of this month in West Park. Shout out to West Park Primary in Northfield, which was a fantastic experience. Yes. And it was a whole day event that was actually selected for through DYW, which is obviously helping develop the, the young workforce. Yes. And it was just a presentation through the, through the, through the young. First time I've done primary school for, for absolute years. It was fantastic. I was really quite apprehensive for a start. I used a presentation with regards to our staff and we've got pictures of them, cartoon pictures of them on our website, which you should actually look up on our website, which is fantastic. And they related to it very, very well. But it was to do about obviously the skill set that you actually use from school, you know, what skill sets you use from school, that was the whole point of it, that you now use in work and we use stories with that. It was such a fantastic experience. It went from primary seven right down to primary two. So the primary sevens were obviously writing everything down. The primary twos sitting on the floor, all engaged with the with this. But the great thing about it was, you know, I handed out business cards with my with my, with my little cartoon on it, and you know, pens and, and and key rings, and the love in these kids' face, you know, faces when they were really engaged with the whole thing and coming up and give us hugs at the end. It was just absolutely, you know, it was, a, it was one of the best experiences ever, you know. Yeah. So, bro, it's bro, yeah. gets you know feedback like that, you know. So it's amazing because you don't know whose whose life you're impacting and changing through that process, and that's that's the gift it that is. you get and when you get that response you know that you've you've really engaged and you've you've reached people and Indeed. that's amazing Indeed. give us another one so i mean again you know to, to show it you know you do make an impact when you go to these schools a cults academy so a big shout out for cults because it was a, it was a fantastic uh, two days it was two days uh, one after each other it was right. two more than two more than things and split into class and they were kind of getting to, to, to leaving stage of 16 17 years old and my presentation was again to introduce them into the type of industry that we're actually in and what the, I suppose the career choices are within this industry, because it's a massive industry, so there's different career choices within it. And that's what it was round, and I used, because I was coming up to my 50th birthday, so my 50th birthday was on the 5th of November, and I moulded the whole thing around my 50th birthday, so it was just two weeks prior to it, and used a conundrum about obviously, you know, what age I was going to be and so on. And it obviously left an impact because on the way out, I hand them all a business card and it's got my mobile number on it, it's got my email, and it says, this is just to remind you either send a gift or send us a little text or a wee yes. bit of love, you know, just to say, happy birthday on the 50th. Now, for that to be two or three weeks prior to that the event, Gail and I went out, Gail uh, took me out for my lunch, uh, and it was in Aberdeen, in a shop in Aberdeen, and my phone started going, and it started vibrating in my pocket, and I, and I looked at it, and I'm thinking, I don't recognise any of these numbers and there was loads of texts coming in, and these were all happy birthday messages from, from the kids at the Colts Academy. That's which, incredible. Which, it, was, it was so, it almost took a, took a tear to my eye because it was yeah. obviously so lovely to get that kind of feedback. And it shows the impact, and I think it's very important as business people to, to be aware of how much impact you have on the youth of the day. And these are not only your customers of tomorrow, but they're your employees of tomorrow as well. Yeah. And that's really, really important. 
you know. and also future business owners oh, as well absolutely. and they're learning from from the example that is before them absolutely so mm. i think you know it's given something back you know i, th- I think it's very very important to give something back and I th- you know I, I thoroughly enjoy it you know it's fantastic to be involved with, with, with youth at any level at all and it's fantastic to get feedback like that as well well, Jim, it's been absolutely amazing. I cannot believe the show's over. I, I was just saying earlier, I wish I had another hour because <laughs> I think we could talk on more. Yeah. It has been a delight. Thank you so much for coming in. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Jim, you can go to our social media pages or you can just Google Jim Reed and everything will come up. Pop in, have a look, ask your questions, find out as much as you can. The industry is changing, but if you really want to be looked after, then you've got to go support your local community-based businesses um, because they're the ones that are you know working hard to be able to service and help those um, regardless of what their needs are so thank you so much for being with us today thanks very much for having us thank you fabulous so have a great weekend everybody and we'll be back next week with another show hey thanks very much for listening right to the end I really appreciate the support and hopefully this is one of many podcasts to come. I'd like to dig a little deeper into the motor industry and into local business. So please keep tuned and you never know, we might have you on the podcast very, very soon. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.